Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for another world. Hello! Yay! Welcome to the Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, Season 30, Episode 19. My name is Kimmy. My name is Riley. I'm Nick. <laughs> and on tonight's episode, uh, Kettle from Germany asks about how a GM should balance a large number of factions in their campaign world. Mike from Michigan corrects us about Obsidian Portal. I believe we call that, um, actually. And Erica <laughs> shares a convention horror story. If you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. And we've gotten a few more emails since last time, but we could always use more. So please, please think about questions you have, stories you'd like to share, things you'd like to know, all those things. Announcements. Strategicon is coming up. Labor Day weekend. And some of us are actually going to be there running games. So I'm actually going to be braving it, and I'm Ooh. going to be running Starscape PBTA, which is my PBTA game that's... So fun. I know, it's so good. That's uh, it's still in beta testing, and uh, I'm very excited about doing this. I'm very excited about running a game in person at a convention. Um, I'm not 100% yet whether we're doing the show live from there on Friday night or not, or on fr Saturday night or not, because usually we do the show on Saturday nights. Um, so I am talking with Jim and the con about that, and we're going to see if we have enough people to go. And yeah, but I'm really excited. I'm also going to be taking an air filter. I've oh, just cool. said my, my oh, like industrial air filters from my classroom. I'm going to take like three of them and they'll nice. just put them in the, the room I'm running. So if you want to, if you want to be safe and you want to run a game, talk to Jim and maybe you can put us oh. all in the same room. We'll have like the very COVID safe room. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. And safe room. yeah, safe room. I figured like, it's one of those things where I was like, okay, I've been really safe and everything. But then, like, now that school started again and my students don't have to be masked. So it's like, you know, sitting in a room masked with, like, 12 adult people for four hours is probably still safer than 36 nine-year-olds unmasked for eight hours. Yes. So. Probably. Anyway. No so one is just, I know this is, this is, should probably be behind the scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, if you do do the show live there, you're mm -hmm. going to take all this stuff. So. Um, cast offs is uh, won't be on. Uh, well, we won't run cast offs anyway because we don't want to run. We can't stream two shows at the same time. <clears throat> um, sure. I mean, we not with that attitude. Not with that attitude. Jesus. Didn't want. Didn't know Kimmy was a quitter, but apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, we still have the travel box, okay. which is all the the convention stuff. Cool. So we would. I, I will never take this apart until I'm done with this. I, it seemed I, like it was going to be. You might a want to to fix yeah. the sound issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's... oh that's... It... I feel that burn so badly. Oh. Sorry. It's okay. It's really... Where's that shade fan? I know. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about air filters. I know. Ooh. <laughs> but yeah. Clear uh... the air. Am I right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm really excited about that. I'm still a little nervous, but I'm excited about going to the convention and like actually interacting and running games. So if you are going, then please sign up for my game. Because <laughs> I'd... I'd feel sad if uh, I did all this and like took a bunch of air filters and like no one was there. I'm like, 
Hello. You should totally play Starscape. It's a lot of fun. It's a very fun game. Yeah. Quite enjoy it. It's very fun. I ran it for JackerCon, and Riley got to play in the one shot of it. If you look back at our one shot feed, yeah. it's there. I was a sentient computer. It was very fun. Yeah, and Nick literally has played like more hours of it than I think any other human. <laughs> and a lot of the good things about it are good because Nick helps fix it. So. All right, that's enough about that. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Who wants to read the really, really long email from Germany? Do you want to split it up or you want to go for Wait, it? I don't think I can do the whole email, but I'm happy to split it up. Okay. I think my mush mouth will get ahead of me after a while. On okay. This one. Well, why don't you start? And then whenever you feel like it, just tag out. You just randomly call somebody's name and they are forced to start right then. That sounds great. <laughs> That's how you test if you're paying attention. Okay. I'll start. Nick. <laughs> All right. Hello from Germany, Jackers. I'll start by apologizing for potentially weird turns of phrase and woody sentence construction, but there's only so much grammar checkers can do. I've been listening to you for a while, and I really appreciate the, uh, what you have built, even though I've never had time to interact with the larger community. The discussions and banter on the podcast have given me good food for thought, and a lot of ideas I've come to integrate into the games I run, making me a better GM along the way. Anyway, today I come to you with a question on the more technical side of the hobby. Specifically, how do you handle tons of factions of all possible sizes interacting with each other? Kind of vague is a question I know. Maybe a small step back and an explanation of where this comes from may help limit the scope of the problem. I've been running a Lancer campaign for a couple of years now. The setting is a planet at the margins of larger polities where a handful of noble houses have carved out the world among them. The characters are the entourage of a prince, the scion of one of these principalities. They're all nobles with more money than common sense, and they pilot mechs because that's what young nobles do. <laughs> Considering they're on a world outside of the galactic power plays, their status uh, even means something. The characters are delightfully horrible people, which makes me really proud of my players. <laughs> this idol, from the point of view of the nobles, not for everybody else, can't endure, so some horrible stuff happens. The world burns, their prince gets on the throne now instead of in a couple of decades, and the characters are promoted from ceremonial friends with a penchant for decadence to be the council of the ruler of an ancient nation. A crumbling, creaking nation, uh, so nation like my body, uh, with old traditions <laughs> being more sand in the engine than anything else. I don't like sand. <laughs> it's coarse and it gets in my engine. Especially in the engine. <laughs> I structured it as a sand... Oh, more sand! I structured it as a sandbox, as in, you are some of the most politically powerful individuals in the world. Here are a dozen crises, half a dozen fires, and the lesser nobles groveling to you actually hate you because you raise taxes to pay for an army that no one knows how to properly lead. Or at least that's what your secret service told you, the ones who couldn't foresee the obvious disaster that hit you previously. Anyway, what do you want to do? The players are having fun, they come back every fortnight, and I too am having a blast with it. I have no reason handling the parts, I'm sorry, I have no problems handling the parts. <laughs> where they sit in their mech cockpilot and blow stuff up. They even have a reason for getting their hands dirty despite their position. What I've come to butt heads with are all of the factions that are doing stuff in the background. With the players having absolute freedom, some factions become irrelevant because they, the players, decided not to interact with that part of the world anymore. Others come out of the left field and suddenly become important in the grand scheme of things. For example, one schismatic sect of the local church orthodoxy got a ton literally, of weapons from one of the players in exchange for their help in overthrowing the Seneschal, keeping the throne from the prince. Suddenly, there's a well-armed secret cult with strange ideas about reforming the politics with newfangled and insane concepts like, maybe the commoners should have some say in their fate. 
To handle it all, I've ransacked the blades in the dark. Sorry. Strange women lying in pods. I mean, fantasy can only take you so far, Kettle. Strange women lying in pods is no government. I didn't vote for you. I thought we're not an autonomous collective. Sorry. Let's make this email longer. Hey, Kettle, maybe you'd have time to interact with the community more if you wrote shorter emails. We love you. Thank you for writing to us. I'm sorry to bust your chops a little bit there. I appreciate the long emails. As someone who tries to create, you know, make, make sure we have enough content for this. That is, that is, that is, that is 100% self-shade because I also write very wordy emails, and I also didn't shut up being in the show when we were getting ready. <laughs> we we hope you know we're we're just poking you for love. We yeah. like you a lot, Kettle. Yeah, and Riley's allowed to give shade about emails when she writes one in. It's true. Mm. Maybe I have. Ooh. Ooh. Have I? You haven't. No, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to handle it all, I've ransacked Blades in the Dark, and I'm using hidden clocks to keep track of things, but maybe there's a better way? Have you ever had to handle a ton of different factions in a sandbox game without excessive bookkeeping? How would you keep it? How would you keep up with the need to suddenly create a new faction and have it interact with others in the background? I know I could wave it all in service of the story, but I like the possibilities and situations that arise from mechanical interactions. What happens is sometimes surprising, but it's always possible to backtrack and find the reason why. I also like to have the players tie their own noose and decorate it with glitter and macaroni before they put it around their <laughs> neck. <laughs> Look what I made, mommy. Yep. <laughs> uh, reaping what you sow and all that. To make it all work, though, I have to keep it fair. Anyways, I'm quite curious about what new insight you may give me. In the meantime, thank you for the years of ideas and suggestions, and thank you for keeping going. Greetings, Orbiting Kettle. P.S. Congratulations to Kimmy for the conquest of the Happy Jack's throne. Thank You're doing a wonderful you. job. Aw, thanks. P.P.S. I love the outros. It's delightful to get to discover so much cool music. P.P.P.S. I suspect that there may be a tiny bit too much gushing in this mail, but on the other hand, you deserve it. Aw, thank you. P.P.P.P.S. doesn't exist. I'm just <laughs> just, around. just That's what I'm just saying. This is the third page of this document. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. All right. Sorry. Very fun. Uh, it's still definitely forget, not the longest we've ever had. I forget not the entire course. question, but I had a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, so first of all, I'm going to say Blades in the Dark was where I was going to start with this. So mm -hmm. the fact that you're already stealing from that um, takes a lot of thunder out of what I was going to say. It's a good game um, to steal from, really. thematically appropriate. Absolutely. It might be good like to describe. I haven't. I've read through Blades in the Dark. I haven't had a chance to actually play it. So maybe like describe for people who maybe haven't played it, like why you think it's a good good that okay. they're pulling from there. Uh, Blades in the Dark uses a system of clocks, which are circles that are divided up into slices of pie. And every time something happens to tick one of those clocks forward, it gets a little bit closer to actually completing. So a simple clock might be, I'm trying to break into this, into this uh, estate. And every time I have a bad roll or something happens, the GM is going to uh, fill in one of those sections, and when we get to four, that's when the guards find me. Uh, so you can use it to do things like that. In the background, when the when the GM is running like a hidden clock, what's going to happen is the faction obviously has their own goals. They want to have certain things happen. And so based on what the players are doing, whether they're addressing any of those issues or fucking off to the other side of the galaxy or even accidentally furthering those plans, the GM is filling out one of these clocks, and when it fills up, 
whatever that faction was trying to do now uh, is accomplished. Okay. Yeah, and that's a, a a pretty common PBTA mechanic too. So that was adopted from there. For those of you who don't know, Blades in the Dark is kind of evolved from PBTA. So I think that's the way to make sure that everything's still kind of going. For me, um, if I've got a bunch of different groups or factions in a game, um, I like to... Shocking. I like to make a graphic organizer like a fourth grade <laughs> teacher. Um, so generally what I'll do is I'll, or in my notebook or whatever, I'll just make a column for each one of the factions um, or a separate page. But that tends to be a lot more flipping around because I don't feel like you need pages of information on each faction. Unless there's one that the players really dive into or join or something, and then you're going to need more information about those. But I find having like a half page column where it's like, this is the leader's name. This is their goal or, and then a couple like vibe things like they're the goth faction or whatever. <laughs> it's like not, not aimed at anyone. Sorry. Uh, things like that. Just to give me like, right, whatever. yeah, they all talk with an Irish accent <laughs> because that's the only accent I can do. Um, and they try like, not to be there. They're still yeah. Irish no matter what. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I played, I played a French nun recently that ended up being Irish because I couldn't do a French accent. I can't do French either. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, so I have like some basic things like that. Um, a, a clock. If there's something like they're working on specifically, adding a clock to like that column. Uh, it, it, that tends to be for me the most manageable way of doing it. I also try and like manage the number of factions. Like, like I, I think four is like a good. A good number. And it fits yeah. nicely. You can have your your spiral notebook open. And if you have two half-page columns on each one, and there you go. You've got you, you, two pages open. You've got all your factions right there. Um, there are some games, if you try and have more than that, it starts diluting a little bit. It's sort of like Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, you kind of, you know, it's like... Well, it gets to the point where it's like, this faction is the one that likes plum cake on Tuesdays, and yeah. this other faction is the one that likes plum cake on Wednesdays, and they're mortal enemies, even though their tenants are basically the same other than that. It's a different day of the week, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different end of the egg. Yeah, exactly. I, so. Yeah, I think, yeah, because I think you're, you're getting into, like, Winds of Winter territory. Where, like, I have so many factions now that I can't finish this novel. So yeah. I definitely think that, I think that both those suggestions are awesome. I would add to it, that if you do end up having more factions than like say four, so let's say you get to like, I, I would say never have more factions than you have sides of dice to roll, because my feeling is what you could do is twenty at the yeah, beginning. I'm like, yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> no, but that I don't know. How, well, no, look, a person wrote this long of an email. I don't know how many factions they have. It, 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 there's a lot happening here. Like, I like no one writes an email if it's like there's three factions. I think there's definitely more. Like there's there's a lot going on. So what I would say is that I think a thing you could do is. If, if you really do want to have things happening in the background in an episode or a session, but you don't necessarily know how to like keep track of that of a big number that you have, I would say randomly roll ahead of time to determine which factions are being active currently. Mm. Because even when you have a lot of factions, not everybody is actively scheming or, or, or enacting a plan at any given time. So you might have some people who like are actively involved in doing a task right now, but you might have like a handful of other factions who are biding their time, who are having meetings, who are you know, making spreadsheets, like doing all the things that would be happening off, off screen right now. Yeah, like gathering resources, watching for what the other people are going to do and waiting to make their move. So I think what you can do is you can be like, okay, like you might know, like the players are always going to interact with the big fans of robot jocks because of what the storyline is, mm -hmm. but like, they're always going to, they're always going to be interacting with, like, let's say like the mechanics union because they're keep their mechs 
and and like working order so you know they're going to be on the players field but if you have like three other factions you're like okay i don't know you know who's going to be involved or who's going to be active today let me just randomize it and see who is going to be active and then just yeah. that might also inspire you if you go like oh who's going to win this if the players don't get involved and you roll a dice okay so now i know they're going to be the ones who come out on top of this and then you can kind of like build a story from there mm -hmm. as you go on yeah yeah it's nice to know where it's going to end up if the players don't interfere if there's no player action on there yeah um to go back i actually in terms of keeping track of them all i want to refer back to one of the emails we had a couple of weeks ago and yeah. i forgot who wrote it in uh so i apologize that i've forgotten your name but they had a way of setting up uh locations in an rpg by doing like, bullet points i thought that was literally last week was it yeah it feels like so much longer ago yeah, but i'm pretty sure like it was, it was, ago, last, maybe it was Friday. last week okay <laughs> Um, but if you did something like that for the factions or, the, you know, really play into like what Kimmy is saying about the the two, you know, both, both sides of a spiral notebook and then they each have a column there. What you might want to do is have those four be your big four and actually write out all of the stuff that's about them and what their plots are. But maybe if you want to have more factions than that, do a couple of these three by five index cards that have some information about other players who might be around. And that way, if they suddenly decide that they want to get involved with the theater guild, you've got like three sentences about what the theater guild's all about, which will buy you enough time for you to flesh them out if they're going to keep uh, working with those. Turns out they're really about yes anding, which is really <laughs> good for me tonight. Um. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm also going to spoil something a little bit, maybe. You don't have to constantly plan out everything that all these factions are doing. Right. You just have to act like you are as the GM. It's like, literally, it's like, you don't have to like have a, like you can, like if you want to. I personally am not able to like track that many things at one time. Mm -hmm. And I'm very much an improv GM. Um, most of the time people can't tell. I mean, they can tell I'm an improv GM, but most of the time they can't tell when I'm making something up constantly on the spot. Um, but if you have your factions, you have some information about them. If you want to do the timer, that's great. Um, the doom clock or whatever you call them. Right. Diff it's different for different systems. But um, if you say, oh, something explodes. Oh, so-and-so's faction just robbed the bank. It's what they've been planning this whole time. Retroactively, they've yeah. been planning it the whole time. Nobody knows that they <laughs> haven't actually been planning it this whole time. AKA you, because you are all the other factions. They don't know you haven't been planning it the whole time. Yeah. So it's also something where these are unpredictable, large groups of people. Um, if it's not something that the whole faction would plan, maybe some of them have gone rogue. You know, you can constantly be adapting and throwing things in, even if it's not, even if it's not on your little chart or in your timer to make things happen and to continue the plot and making it interesting. And that's also, to build off that great advice, I think that's also a thing that can help you learn to be a more active listener to your players, which we all can learn to do more and more from time to time. I have no idea how good a listener you already are. I'm not judging your listening skills. What I am saying is that... Only your judge. writing skills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, the writing, writing is great. Just a lot of it. Editing. Editing. editing, editing. No, no. Yeah. Listening skills. What I'm saying is, building off what Kimmy said, like, if you have, like, like a set of no, no like index cards like Nick suggested and like Kimmy said, someone says something in game and you're like, 
that would be something that would really interest the theater guild. Now you've got a plot brewing in the back of your head, as opposed to feeling like you have it written out. This is definitely what's going to happen. Instead, you're having the factions react to things that are happening actively in your game because of what your players are doing, which always makes them feel really special and fun at the end. Because players are real dumb, yeah. and they get like real, <laughs> like their like, heads are like mush. You make them feel like they're being listened to. They'll do whatever you want them to do. I, I super like your idea about having uh, like rolling some dice in the background about what. Uh, you know who comes out on what in this faction yeah like just so you have a sort of vague history of what's going on if you have two two people that are both fighting over one planet or one resource mm -hmm. you can make that decision and then see if your players bite the hook or whatever i i like that idea just to so you don't have to sit there and think about all right tactically team a would do this and team b would do that yeah you know how it's going to end so now you can just figure out okay how did that happen right it's like an analog gming version of like peter jackson's like ai combat stuff from lord of the rings movies where it's like yeah oh the computer tells us what these people are doing in the background so they just go ahead and we let, we let the computer go fight and then it records it that's kind of like what you're doing you're, you know the result you're rolling it and it happens yeah right? Uh, it's also great if you just have something happen and maybe you don't even know who did it. Uh, there's been a lot of times where I've started a game or campaign and I know what's happening, but you wait until you're like, okay, the, oh, the bank just exploded. And you wait to see what your players say. And your players like, I bet it was that faction. Oh, they've been, I bet they did it for that. And you're like, yep, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, that's such a great, I can't believe you, that's so good planning. Yeah. You're like, yeah, that's totally what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As you throw uh, your yeah. old notes over your shoulder. But and also, yeah. it, it makes sense because, like, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a strong advocate of not feeling like you have to totally predict what your players are going to do because your NPCs are not going to be predicting what, you're predicting what your players are going to do. Yeah. So it's okay for you to be a little surprised when they do yeah. stuff because you can play it off as the NPCs or the story being surprised by what the players do. And it's a totally valid way of GMing. And it's something I do a lot, especially for convention games. When you've got four hours and you're trying to fit that whole story, if you're trying to like just like wedge those players down the hallway you planned, like it's going to be kind of a mess. Whereas if you kind of like present multiple hallways and you know kind of how where the hallways all come together and end at the end, but you let them pick, you let them kind of decide it's like, okay, cool. And then kind of go with them because it is collaborative storytelling. It's not, I make a story and they figure it out. Some parts of it are sometimes and that can be fun, but it's, it's hundred percent valid for you not to be constantly tracking the minutia of all these factions, you know, and ha only bringing stuff into it, you know, when it's applying to your players. And that, that also makes the, the job of GMing much more manageable and yeah. reasonable. Because the risk that you have, if you're so focused on what all these factions are doing in the background, is there is the risk, and I've run into this myself as a, as a, as a GM when I've done too many, too much planning in the background, is I'm not being an active participant in the game that my players are running. Yeah. Like, if I've like set up too many things that are going to be happening off screen or are like popping into the story, sometimes the players are doing stuff that I'm not like fully following because I'm like waiting for my sound cue or whatever that yeah. I've set up. So Same, yeah. I feel like some of that's my ADHD, and like if I'm if I'm trying to track all these things, like I just I, I lose the game, and that it's it's so hard. Um, so yeah, the, those are those are all really great ways to deal with it. Um, like notes, um, and uh, yeah, it was last week, <laughs> Nick. Uh, so Savage Stalker wrote in um, with their suggestions about how to take notes. We talked about that. If you're really interested in a really great way of taking notes about locations and like 
preparing a bunch of random locations that you can just pull up during a campaign, which 100% the note-taking method that we talk about in episode season 30, episode 18, which is last episode. This is 19. That's how it works. 18 comes before 19. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Look, I, I'm it a great one, teacher. It was, it was one week and 12 years ago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I used to have longer hair. Longer. <laughs> yeah, <we did. laughs> uh, but it's, it's a great system. Go check out. I'm not going to say it all again because we literally just said it a week ago, even though we didn't remember that it was only a week ago. It feels like a month ago. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Next. By the way, I just want to say thank you to our great uh, audience who's watching live, who was able to feed us that it was Savage Stalker and Oh, I looked that up on the computer. Oh, okay. Well, well I, I want to thank Kim for the awesome work. <laughs> thank you. I'd like to thank my laptop for being here and <laughs> being so focused and turned on for me right now. And Ooh. yeah. Hey. I spent a lot of time on my computer. Not like that. Okay. Anyway, we should move off the topic right now. <laughs> We're in danger of Happy Jack's nights. <laughs> Happy Jack's nights. I feel like if we ever do that at this point, it's going to be so disappointing. No matter, I know. We've joked about it for so many years. No matter how good it is, everyone's going to be like, oh. It's going to be like Herogasm on, on <laughs> where I was like, this is, I'm like, this show has done a lot of more graphic things than what everyone bragged that this episode was going to be like. I was like, this is actually kind of disappointing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right. Next email. Someone have it in front of them. I got it. Okay, perfect. Nick, no. Uh, (laughs) Mailbag (laughs) (laughs) 2. Hi, Kimmy and crew. Long time listener here. I heard you on your last show, season 30, episode 15, which we just learned is not our last show. That's okay. I know. Liar. It's liar. Last show relative to the email being sent. I understand it. It was just very fun because we had a whole conversation about it. It's also good news because it means we have enough emails that like we're not putting emails from this last weekend, which would be very dire. We got to give them time to write more emails. Yes. Yeah, I give Kettle time to finish the draft. <laughs> so, all right. All right. Y'all talking about Obsidian Portal and how expensive it was. Um, Actually, this surprised... That's my, my editorializing. Um, this surprised me as I remember using it for several campaigns and never paid a dime. I went and checked and there's some limitations on a free account, but you could probably get elsewhere. But the basics are free. If you like, there's a chart with the differences between the free and paid at... URL. So it's obsidianportal.com slash ascendant underscore membership. I'm not associated with them. I get nothing from people using it. And I myself would probably default to a Google Docs myself today rather than it. Setting up a massive sprawling interconnected wiki sounds cool, but it's a lot of work that I just don't have the spoons for anymore. Still, I wouldn't want to scare people away from a tool that might be useful for them by misinformation that is paid only. Sign Mike Obsidian from... Oh, wait. No. Mike from <laughs> Michigan. Michigan. Uh, yes, thank you for the correction. Do, 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 do. Yeah, we are fake news. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, we. Uh, there is a monthly, a free one. The regular. I'm looking at the page you sent, by the way, right now. Uh, there's a monthly subscription one that's five ninety nine a month, and then there's one that's yearly for like fifty dollars a year, um, and that's supposedly the best deal according to them. Um, so yeah, you get basically two unlimited campaigns for the basic, I don't know. This is a little bit of a badly laid out page. I'm not hundred percent sure which one is which, but there's one that's free for sure. And I don't know what comes with it. Cause I can't, talk. Oh, no, I have to click to see details of the free package. Cause it doesn't want you to see that one. Okay. Anyway, what don't they want you to know? And know the that free. there's a free package. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you don't have to spend money there. Yeah. 
We've already, there was a whole email about it. Oh, you know? right. I'm sorry. I kind of zoned out after, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't after even a Kettle's long email. email. <laughs> I, had, I went to a fugue state. Wow. <laughs> Rude. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So if, if making a wiki is your thing, then there's a free option for Obsidian Portal. There are some limitations. I don't know 100% what they are. Um, there's a limit to the campaigns. And it looks like there's a limit to the storage space for upload. So it looks like two megabytes per campaign. So altogether, four megabytes total for two campaigns. I'm going to blame Jason. I'm going to say Jason said it was very expensive. Because he's not, yeah, he's not here to tell himself. It's totally so, yeah, it was, it was Jason. I just want to say that I have a 100% track record with not talking wrong about MCD and Portals. Good so. job. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can have one map. And it's public. No private. So there's a lot of things. You can go to that website. Um, I personally still like, maybe I'm just like, I think it was years ago that I checked out Absurd Obsidian Portal and I just like, wasn't that impressed with it. Like it seemed yeah. a little clunky and, uh, wikis have a hard time being user-friendly as it is. And it just seemed like not even the most fr user-friendly of the wiki possibilities. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I remember it from guilds in world of warcraft which i haven't played in oh yeah so long but a lot of the a lot of the guilds and stuff i was in had obsidian portal that's right i think that might be like things. yeah that, that's the last time i've seen it and that's got to be at least 10 years yeah i played some right. on that but i think that may also be why i have like this lingering animosity for obsidian portal because there are so many guilds that used it and it was just like you have to read all the things before you can be this level. And these are our rules. This oh. is how you advance in the guild. Yep. And I was a, I was very politically motivated in WoW. That was a great use of my time, by the way. <laughs> Not. <laughs> but anyway, thank no you. No one says on their deathbed. Oh, oh. I wish I got higher in my in that guild. <laughs> I wish I looted more. Yeah. <laughs> I could have been on the high council of elf. <laughs> I was actually. Anyway, all right. Thank you, Mike, from Michigan. We appreciate you. And yeah, I still or Mike vote from me, 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 me. From obsidianportal.com. Yeah, and I still <laughs> prefer Google Docs myself. Nick, I will be name. willing to read this last email since you had to read a, a three-page email earlier. Whatever you want. If I'm called on, if I'm called on, I'll read. Yeah, some people call for emails. <laughs> I have I have Baywatch in my head now because of Baywatch Nights. Good job. Oh, because of right Baywatch yep. Nights. Yeah, which links to yeah we got it. Yeah, okay. this email is very timely, by the way, with the new Game of Thrones show coming out on Sunday. Oh yeah, it is. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Well, no, you, no. See, this is what I'm talking about. You have to improvise. I mean, like you planned it. Like, I you're planned that good this. of a GM. Yes. Very good. Yes, and I did it. Okay. Uh. Hi, guys and gals and non-binary pals. It's time for a horror story. A Westeros horror story. No, not the last few seasons of the TV show, but a session of the Green Ronin RPG I played at a con a few years ago. I signed up and showed up eager to play. Full disclosure, I've never read the books or seen the show, but I picked, enough, picked up enough about it through nerd culture osmosis that I was curious. I looked through the character sheet and saw something odd. There was only one available female character, and she was the 11-year-old daughter of a minor noble who was also a PC. Ooh. Uh, while the four other players, all guys, were picking their characters, I asked the GM a little more about this noble girl. He explained that her role was to try and find a husband at the tournament they were attending because that's how they did it back then. Now, pause. 
Oof. This is a fantasy world. Oof. There's no back then. There's Oof. only what you decide to make it. Yup. Yeah. It's yep. also, I'm going to go ahead and say this too. Even if you are trying to do fantasy nobility rules of child marriage, which, first of all, that is a pre-game session zero kind of thing to go over, because that's a huge trigger for a lot of people. Yeah. Second of all, she would not be trying to find a husband. Nope. And if, if, if an 11-year-old child was being forced to marry someone, it's because an arranged marriage was already happening. It wouldn't be that she would be looking at a tournament going, oh, who's the who's the hot stud that I'm going to marry? No, this is <laughs> this is a completely, like, this is a... A political arrangement. It is not an actual romantic thing. It's a business deal. Yeah. Which is not what you do to a PC in a game. Sorry. Yeah. And if, even if you are going on historical records, like arranging the marriage for an 11 year old would be a thing. But generally it was incredibly seen as, as it, like they looked down on anyone who actually got married and, and wed and bed an 11 year old. Like, sorry, trigger warning for that. But like even at the time, like the arrangements were made between these people, but they were they knew how dangerous it was for um, young women to become pregnant at this age. So right. it was not they didn't take effect. Yeah, until yeah exactly. So while point. it was like it was more like a treaty, like Riley was saying, but yeah. nobody was like very it was more of an arrangement for future betrothal. Yeah, absolutely. And even okay. Also, in the Game of Thrones books. George R. R. Martin does deal with this topic and it's presented as a bad thing that is happening. For the TV show, being well aware that this kind of visual would be very horrific for audiences to watch, they aged up all the characters on purpose so you would not see this. And if anything does happen this way, it's presented as the worst possible thing. So for a GM to make this the only option for a player, also having it be connected to another PC yeah. is like a wild... Yikes. Everything about this is wrong and this is all... like and look. I I am a fan of using RPGs to play about sensitive topics. Like, we're in a show right now that does that. But it was agreed upon by the cast ahead of time. We have had one episode where we got into a situation where there was, like, significant trigger issues happening. And we stopped and we said, this might not be a, a, a session that you want to enjoy watching because it triggers your dysphoria or things like that. Yeah. That is the kind of responsible thing you have to do when you're running a game. It's kind of, sorry, I, I can ram this all night. So. It's okay. We'll, we'll finish, and yeah. then we'll rant as long as we yeah. want. That, I'm glad we stopped at that exact point, though, because yeah. I didn't want to, like, come back to it later. Like, it's, yeah. it's, well, yeah. it's fresh in our minds. Here's why this is... Yeah. It's everything about yeah. this is awful. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, the four other players... Uh, oh, no, I already paid that. Sorry. Okay. Uh, okay. So I should have walked away right there. But it was Saturday night at a con, and there weren't many other games open. But I did short-circuit a little bit. In this world... Uh, with Brienne and Arya and Sansa and Daenerys and Cersei, the best female character he could come up with was a prepubescent husband hunter. No, thank you. Bringing up some of this girl, uh, bringing up some of these girl bosses, I asked him if I could do things differently. He seemed a little annoyed, but at least he listened. I suggested that instead of his original idea, maybe he could, she could be a little spy behind the ranks for her dad, using her position in the family and her youth to find out dirt on the other nobles at the tourney, talking to other children and servants, getting the goods to report bad to her dad for his benefit. To his credit, he thought that this was a great idea. It kind of boggled me that he hadn't even considered that. The only role he could think of for a female character was somebody just who just needed a husband. Oh. Yeesh. That is like the lowest issue I have with this character choice, but yes. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> but still distasteful, and I still should have walked away, but he liked my idea and ran with it uh, when he uh, when it, my turns came up at the table. 
So maybe he learned something that day? I doubt his heart grew three sizes, but he wasn't so set on his creepy ways that he hand-waved my ideas for how he ran the character. I gave him the benefit of the doubt and ended up having a good time, but the story still stuck with me all this time. Drink if you feel like it, Erica. Huzzah. Oof. So the first thing I want to say to Erica is that I, I disagree with you about... I mean, yeah, you still should have walked away if you were uncomfortable and you would have been happy to do it or happier doing it. But I will say that I actually think it's really impressive that you didn't walk away and that you actually like stood your ground and pushed back on it because yeah. if you were comfortable having that conversation, which it sounds like you were, and I'm very impressed that you were because I'm even been someone who's like... I might have just left or I might have been like, uh, can we just like limit this? Like I wouldn't have played the character probably either. So I'm glad you didn't because that would have been or horrible for you. But I think it's great that you push back on it because he's probably done this before. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the kind of thing where having someone push back on him might make him hesitant to do it again in the future. I also think this is the kind of thing that you maybe even want to raise with the people who administer the con because this kind of gameplay is definitely extremely problematic in my mind. But... That's also like, you know, you might have the spoons for that. But I do think that twice in this email, you you gave him a little bit. You, I think you kind of beat yourself up a little bit for not just walking away during it. And I want to say that rather than look at it that way, look at it more as like, I'm very proud of myself that I stood my ground and then I made the point that I should because that's amazing. So before we say anything else about it, I want to give you props for that. That was awesome. Absolutely. And I, I agree. He probably did learn something because a lot of times these con games, um, GMs run them multiple times. So as awful as it sounds, it probably wasn't the first time he used these pre-generated PCs. Yeah. So maybe the next time he ran it, he took your ideas and added them. So that that's fantastic. Hopefully, if even if that didn't happen, at least maybe he is thinking outside the box about it from now on. Um, now all his female PCs in the games will be spies. Yeah, all of <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 a, a step, step up. up. From that's true. Okay. <laughs> It's a, it's a low bar, but at least it's a little higher. Uh, yeah, okay, there's so many, so many things here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, as a teacher and someone who works with 9 and 10-year-olds, like, every single day, I just the fact that he's having PCs come in and play a, a young woman who's that young, unless it's, like, something people have really thought about ahead of time, or it's a PC... I mean, you should just not have that option. For most convention games, I don't think I would. I agree. Yeah. That is something you prepare for. That is that is a session zero conversation. Mm -hmm. And like, it's especially because almost even, even if you take out the really horrific relationship dynamics that are happening here, which obviously that that's not something you can take out from the conversation at large. But even if this was just like a standard, like just to get... You're putting an 11 year old in very serious, likely danger from the events that are going to happen in a fantasy based role playing game. Mm -hmm. And that, could, like, I know for me, like, when I fill out, like, my veils and lines for any show, the very first box I check is child endangerment, child, like, torture, things like that. So, like, I would already have a hard time playing in this game, even if there was no weird husbandry things happening and it was just a kid being put into a violent situation. Like, like that, like, like, if it's kids on bikes and it's, like, cartoonish kind of, like, kids violence, that's one thing. Like, things that kids deal with. But when it's, like, high fantasy sword and sorcery people getting endangered. Mm -hmm. and right, like, people die all the time yeah. instead of having a real right. system where it's, like, the kids don't get hurt. Yeah. The kids don't die. Yeah. Well, and that's one of my lines right now. Um, And generally, anything under, like, 10 is, like, a line for me. I'm, like, yeah, I, these yeah. anyone under 10 cannot be in danger. Uh, or... 
if they're in danger, I need to know ahead of time. It's like they will be okay. Or it's like large scale danger. Like there's a city under attack, not like there's a gun to their yeah, head. Yeah. Then, oh yeah. Even that just like talking I, about it. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Oh no, no, no. It's okay. Like, like I get it. But um, yeah, like even our kids on brooms game right now, like we talked about it when we were doing session zero. And I was like, no, I'd like to ages a, a little yeah. bit. So I think the youngest one of us is like 13 and like we're 13 to 16 is our age range. Yeah. And so we, we very carefully picked that. Um, a lot of times masks even like it, it generally is made for like teens. So there are fair, very few games that are actually built to be like younger kids. And the ones that I can think of that are um, like Girl Underground is specifically about being a little girl going. Um, it's like a, a PBTA game where you're basically Alice going to Wonderland type thing. Um, and that has very specific mechanics for being for playing the young girl and things like that. So, yeah, that's anytime I go to any anytime someone's playing that young, it's a very serious conversation and it should never be done at a con because you have no idea who's going to sit there. Yeah. And it's just as scary and horrifying. I, you know, I kind of actually want to see how the GM would handle when the giant masculine presenting biker dude sits down and takes that character. <laughs> like, well, how would that how would that change their perception? And, mm -hmm. you that's, know, that's a good point that you, that you bring up, because I was thinking that's when you started saying it is that. Erica talks about how there was like four other players that were all guys picking their characters. And I'm like, really? So not one of these guys thought maybe I should speak up for this so that Erica doesn't have to. Like, I, they might not know Erica, but still, it's like, this is a great example of using your privilege. Like, it would be absolutely better for you to be like, hey, this is not cool. You know, right. like, than it is to put the person who was like in the vulnerable position being handed this character from then having to do it. Because now, because there's a 100% chance the person who wrote this character into his game is not going to be cool with like a femme presenting person giving yeah. him that position. But like if a guy that he's afraid of or presenting right. does it, like that's going to maybe change things up a little bit. Like, yeah. And I mean, the sad thing is, is most of the people sitting at the table probably didn't see a problem with it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the scary thing is and and there are times where if you had a character like that, like you might get an amazing person, you know, whether they look like a, you know, stereotypical big biker dude, maybe they can just do this amazing role playing experience at a convention. Most of the time, you don't know the people sitting down at your table well enough to know that can happen. Yeah. Like anybody can role play anything with respect. But OK, not everyone. OK, there are. So, there. OK, sorry. <laughs> the I mean, possibility exists. The possibility but... exists. That someone who you would never expect can role play something perfectly. Yeah. But not everyone is capable of that, even if they have the best intentions of doing so. They can still, it can be very easy to step over lines, um, even if you are sitting down in good faith, trying to be a good representation of that character. Yeah. So it's really important that sometimes magic happens, but conventions are not the place to like roll the dice. <laughs> Get it. On that particular piece. Um, Except Strategicon. Come on out and roll the dice. Roll the dice. In my game, where there will not be any 11-year-old children. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, so moving away from the age issue into the misogyny issue, because there's so many issues. Yeah. Let's pick one. <laughs> like, uh, roll a d20. All, all 20 <laughs> issues. With this, uh, but this, yeah, there you go. But, um, yeah, Ten. the fact... <laughs> I haven't figured out which faction that issue belongs to yet, so give me a second while I... Yeah. Let I mean, like oh, it's weird. It just says the men. 
That's weird. <laughs> That's really weird. It just says that. That's amazing. The dice yeah. just knows. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> all, all of these custom dice these days are really amazing. Uh -huh. yeah, it's oh, sorry. Really Specifically the cis straight white men. I don't want. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't want to throw any of my trans brothers under the bus right. here. So. Um, but uh, yeah, the fact. I mean, and we've talked about this before. Like the fact that of all the PCs, there's one character who's non-male. The fact that they like. Again, like linking them to another PC like that, that's problematic for literally any character, yeah. especially at a con. Like, again, like there are there's playbooks in some PPTA games that specifically do that. And that's something you talk about beforehand. Like if you're going to uh, play the joined playbook, which is a game breaking as fuck playbook set, by the way. Thanks, Jason and Abria. I see you. I see you <laughs> as the GM. Um, <laughs> but uh, stuff like that, like. Having your so much of your character and your role playing and your fun dependent on how someone else is playing their character is again not something you want to bring to a con. That's just nightmare fuel. Yeah, like so bad. Well, and the fact that this person who has never watched the show or read these books can name you a series of characters that are not even like there's nothing close to them in your story, right. and you're running a game based off of it, like that to me belies like a lack of commitment to the world that you're creating and bringing in your own personal prejudices instead of that world's. Yeah, absolutely. Situation. Yeah, and I mean, I'd love to know like were any other characters there linked with another PC or was it? Just well, and the, not, and not yeah. only just linked, but like directly under their thumb yeah. in, in this sort of thing where one character can literally tell your character, no, you're grounded or yeah. you're going to marry this person or what, you know, whatever the problematic things are. And there's a lot, yeah. but just gets to tell them what to do. And their character would kind of have to go along with that and, and or, back to or say, fuck you and you know, run off and do their own thing. And yeah. have consequences for that problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And going back to what we said about like the difference between playing this game at a con versus playing this game at a trusted table mm -hmm. is that like, I'm sure that if you and I were at a table together, I could easily play your daughter and you could play an overbearing parent to me. Right. And we could have fun with that dynamic because I would trust you and I would know how to play it. If I sat down next to a stranger at a con, and I was told like, this character's playing your father who's trying to marry you off at 11 years old. Like already I'm like, I don't know this person nearly enough to yeah. have that kind of trust. No. Yeah. Uh, Erica's in chat and she says some of the other characters were Sons of the Lord character as well. So now you've got like this one character who is literally a parent to a bunch of the other characters at the table. Now I've run con games where everyone at the table are siblings. Yeah. And that brothers. can be fun. The Dragon Brothers. <laughs> oh my God. They still. Okay. But, but like there wasn't like a parent figure there to like tell them what to do. And if there was like I would have played it and it would have been very noncommittal and not like authoritative it's like i need you to do this thing i trust you children go make your own decisions good luck with that and then it's rugrats yeah exactly yeah. it's exactly what happens yeah you make a bunch of adult gamers and you're like you are sibling dragons oh my gosh the rest of the con like across the room dragon brother like they yeah. bond they bond over over siblingness but um, it's one of the it's one of the things like extrapolating out from that why it doesn't work when you have say a military unit and one person is the captain or the commander and the other people are the privates and they just essentially have to do what that person says unless mm -hmm. you know yeah. they they all mutiny and decide they're gonna right. <laughs> do something but like setting up that kind of dynamic where you don't know each other mm -hmm. is really difficult yeah. yeah and i mean on top of all of this 
stuff going on here. Yeah. I played the Doctor for three years in a Doctor Who RPG. And oh, yeah. That's a struggle. Like, and that's all my friends right. at the table. Like, it is it is very hard as a player to be like, how do I make sure not to outshine all the other players at the table? Because I'm playing essentially the, the main character of this TV show, but you have to be like, I have to make space and room for the other players to get to have agency and time and like storylines of their own. And that's people I know, people that I trust and stuff like that. So yeah. like similar, like the butter sibling thing I played recently on saving throw for a stream. We did a DuckTales RPG yeah. and Dom was Dom Zook was, was GMing. He played Uncle Scrooge, and the rest of us we did play the kids. And I was I was Webby, and we had we had <laughs> we had a Dewey and a Louie, I think, and not a Huey. But like we had a weird, but like that was the thing. But it's okay because we're playing. We don't have another player who's like I'm the parent. I'm responsible for you. Right. You know and that's yeah. And also like Arya is a great example of a kid that could be. And if, if everyone's playing kids, that is a different situation. Yeah. That is very different. Yes. But again, if everyone's playing kids and you're all playing the mischievous kids, this merchant, and then one kid's job is I'm supposed to get married today. That is like such a wild thing to make somebody do. Yeah. Sorry, I can't believe this story. Yeah, especially when it's like the one non-male character. It's like, your job is to get married, honey. Yeah. Good job. It's like, okay, like, thank you. Thanks for that. Like, yeah, if I if I had been playing this character, even if I hadn't spoken up to the GM about it, like Erica did, and again, I'm very impressed by that. Mm -hmm. I would have just played it as Arya anyway and been like, my dad wants me to try to get married today. I don't care about getting married. I'm going to go find a sword or something. And yeah. Completely derail that GM's game. Yeah. I mean, and. Grab a knife from dinner and stab everyone who looks at me. Yeah. Yeah. And you can have. Pull my face off. I'm, a, I'm an assassin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you can have, if you wanted the outward appearance of this character to be a young woman who's getting married off, like, fine. But, like, you can still make their make more depth as a GM who's making an, a, a PC. If you think that's an interesting storyline to pursue, like maybe all the people at this tournament are trying to win their hand or something. Okay, cool. But like, again, like Erica added that separate depth to the character, like, oh yeah, and this is actually all a ruse to steal, to get information, all this, like, Add something cool in there. Add something right. active for them Give to them do. Give them some agency. Exactly. They mm -hmm. need the every character needs something to be doing. Sitting and looking pretty while people fight over who's going to marry you is not a fun thing to role play because you are literally just waiting for everyone else and a bunch of NPCs to do stuff. Yeah. So even if for some reason you really thought that storyline was cool, which it could be. I mean, well, it's I, 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 I do want to say Good Society yeah. is a very fun game yes. to play. But again, you know you're playing Good Society. You're not going to play Game of Thrones. Like, look. It would be hilarious if my friends like, hey, you want to play Game of Thrones? We started playing it and it was secretly a good society game. <laughs> I would have a lot of props to my friends if we did that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that is people I know and trust. I would be mad if I sat down at a, at a con and mm -hmm. was planning on playing Game of Thrones and end up playing Good Society instead and, in Westeros. Right. Well, and also... Welcome to Dorne. Yeah. <laughs> also, Good Society has a bunch of mechanics where you are very actively trying yeah. to get married. Like, yeah. you're not just sitting and waiting. You may, you try and look like you're sitting and waiting. Yeah. Because that's what all good, you know, Regency area people people did. Look at me sitting here pretty. Well, the men out there don't like a lot of blather. I know. So. But the whole time you're like, oh, you know, Nana, did you go do this? Did you talk yeah, to so-and-so? high okay. stakes game. Yeah. And you're like constantly, like, it is so much fun. I love that game so much. Now and I want to I... play like Star Wars or Game of Thrones Good Society. Like, I want, He's like, so I want to try it now. Oh, my God. I just, I, I love being the dowager anything. Like, it's my absolute it's the best. It's the best <laughs> time so of all. Oh, just sitting in the um, corner being, like, like snarky to everybody. Oh, my God. So snarky. Ugh. Oh, my God. Last time we played this, I played Jason's, uh, like, aunt. I was trying to marry Jason's character off. And he was just, like, oh, man, I was just so mean. I was like, 
We're at the ball with the green wallpaper and you wore the green dress. Brilliant. <laughs> like, it's just like my favorite thing. Have you, did you see the most recent uh, Downton Abbey movie? I haven't yet. Oh my okay. gosh. I, I, the, okay. the, the Dowager has the ultimate Dowager line in that movie, but I don't want to spoil okay, it for I'll, you. I'll go watch it. It is genius. Yes. The movie is a train wreck, but that line is... <laughs> Kiss. The, the Dowager is always perfect. Ugh. Like, no matter what is happening. It's a scene where, like, you'll be sobbing, and then she'll say this one thing, and you're like, oh my god, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure someone in chat knows what I'm talking about. Don't spoil it for anybody. Yeah. It's Ugh. perfection. I just, to be Maggie Smith, like, <sighs> so amazing. Uh-huh. I, my favorite thing about that, too, is, like, in that show, like, she agreed to do that show, but she's like, I'm not wearing any corsets. I'm too old for that now. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so it's, like, literally, everyone else had to do, like, the thing, and she was just like, Comfort. but they still made her look amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, again, thank you, Erica, for writing in that. I can't believe you haven't written that in sooner. Honestly, like you, you've written in a lot of emails for a while. Like you've been like saving that one. Erica knew this would be running the weekend of House of the Dragon, and was like, "I'm ready for this." She's she like timing. locked in her calendar, her yeah. PR like schedule. It's well done. So. Yeah. Uh, Turns and- out Matt Smith is actually the GM of that table, and it's really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor, it's Jake and yeah, yeah. together. together. Oh man, and uh, and yeah, and you did the right. I think you did the right thing. There I are did too. there are times where absolutely getting up is the right thing to do. I think the fact that uh, the GM seemed willing to work with you and and hopefully learn something, and you still had an enjoyable experience, is awesome. I also want to encourage people, if you are in a situation like that, and especially if if the GM had turned down your ideas or been like, no, like, don't mess with it. It's fine. That's when you get up and walk away. Right. Fact, I would even say it's okay to have gotten up and walked away at the beginning if that's what you were comfortable with. Absolutely. Like, 100%. This, is, this is like when you say there are times, this is one of those times. Absolutely. But you also did nothing wrong and did do a good, right thing by not doing that. Yeah. You, don't, way. you don't owe them any, any explanation or any chance to... No. to you know, screw with you further. Yeah. yeah. It's, it is not your job to teach or inform them. Um, by staying, it sounds like you ended up having a good time cause you came up with a cool character that they rolled with and yeah. they may have learned something. So that's Hopefully. a win-win. And honestly, that's a rare kind of happy ending to a horror story. Yes. Most of the time when we read these, they don't have happy endings like that where you ended up having a good game and maybe the GM learned something. Usually it ends in like burn it all, burn it all to the ground. So, um, this yeah, almost drew which you still hobby. could do. Yeah. yeah. I've had those games. Like oh, yeah. I, when I was getting back into TTRPGs after, after a long break, I had a couple of games up top that made me go, maybe it's, maybe I don't want to come back to this hobby because of bad mm-hmm. treatment at tables. So <laughs> that, and that's, that's why I am glad that you spoke up about it because hopefully the next, because like, obviously you were at a con, you were excited to play, but who knows who the next person will be at the table. And if it's the same situation for them, like they might not come back to the hobby. And so it's good to be able to have like someone push back on it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and those of us who are like strong enough in the hobby to push back, like it's not an obligation. Nobody has to do anything that makes them uncomfortable and doesn't make them feel safe. Um, but I try and do that when I have the spoons to do it, when I have the bandwidth to do it, because I'm at the point now where it's not going to drive me out of the hobby. Yeah. So I would rather take the chance of saying something and then maybe walking away from a table if I'm at a convention than being polite, leaving, and then maybe having this happen to somebody who may be new to the hobby and actually driving somebody out of the hobby. Yeah. Um, 
I do I do want to go back to my point though. Of I do think you should if if it's if it's you feel comfortable doing it, safe doing it. I do Absolutely. think it's worth addressing with the cons supervising because yes. that feels like it's against. Con. I don't know what con it is, but that feels like they would have some issues with that storyline happening at their games. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you know. Yeah, I mean, but... there's some wild cons out there that have. That's true. No rules. No no holes barred. That's Everybody true. go. But yeah, that's also if you don't feel comfortable confronting the GM or talking to the GM or any of that. That is absolutely a great way to go about it. For most cons, the person that you talk to is, um, is oh, you know, appreciates hearing that type of thing. Um, there have been times where I've reported games or had helped friends report games, and while I'm sure there are exceptions out there for the cons I've gone to, they've always been very receptive, yeah, and very good about it, and very often very um good about respecting your privacy and you're like hey i really don't want them to know it was me um and so you can always do the thing where like oh i'm getting an emergency it's an emergency i have to go i'm so sorry leaving and then you know telling the con about it so that they can then step in and talk to that gm and then if the gm isn't receptive to their notes which every gm at a con should absolutely be taking notes from the convention yes then they can just not have that person back which is important for them to know so a lot of times some really bad GMs and really toxic GMs end up just kind of like skating under the radar for a very long time and injuring a lot of people. So, yeah. So it's it's nice if you can get the con uh, at least informed of what's happening. Yeah. yeah. That's a fun note to end on. <laughs> Be a tattletale. It's totally fine. Actually, you 100% should be a tattletale in that case. You are protecting other people by doing so. Absolutely. Yeah. Tattle, tattletaling, I know I know you're kidding. I was totally but kidding. But like, for people, like, you're right. Like, tattletaling is when, like, there's not really a consequence of what they're doing. You yes. know, like, just trying to, like, get the satisfaction of telling on someone. Someone's just looking at me. Yeah. Riley was mean to Kettle's email about being too long. Yeah. Like, that's tattletaling, although I did it publicly, so it's not that to tattle. Yeah. But it's like, that is one thing but like being like hey this person is creating an actively unsafe environment at their table is yeah. valuable information to report absolutely yeah so i'm sorry i shouldn't have made it late a bit but i i deal with title sales a lot that's just a thing yeah. all right all right what? Oh, what i forgot i just moved all my notes and i have to see the last page of my notes so i'm gonna very thank you for joining us for season 30 episode 18 it's actually, oh. so it's actually 19 so Oops, it's printed um actually it's uh, 19. <laughs> Don't say 18 or Mike will email us again. <laughs> right. Thank, Thank you for joining us. Chat mod. Yeah. Thank you to our chat mod, James V, and our amazing Patreons who keep us free 19? and independent. No, I, it's, it's James Five. James Five. I called yes. him James the Fifth for a really long time. <laughs> I kind of love it. And when I see him in person, I still sometimes call him James the Fifth, and he likes. Someone it. shared a post today on Facebook of a of a sign for tutoring, but the T was spelled with a D. And I said, all I'm saying is check on his wives. Yeah. Like I don't know what's <laughs> happening there, but if anyone knows who the house is, okay. Like, see if their wives. Check on the okay. All right. Sorry. All right. No, no. no. Uh, thank you to our chat mod James V for our and our amazing Patreons who keep us free and independent. Host names again. I'm Nick. I'm Riley. I'm Kimmy. And give us emails and see us at Strategicom, where Kimmy will be running Starscape. Yeah. And I think Kadave will be there. And I don't know. I don't know who else. People are still trying to decide. Um, and well, if I don't have a game that night, then that that freed up my <laughs> my. Yeah. Time. I gotta look at my schedule. I'm gonna do it. Okay. Oh, we'll, we'll talk to before. we'll talk to Jim about like the the filter filter like thing. I have like. Okay, altogether, I have six industrial uh, HEPA filters that are rated for 800 square feet or above. Ooh. Because I've got three in my classroom, which technically I don't own, but nobody would know if I borrowed them for the weekend. And then I've got two, one in here and then one in my house. Right. So we could 
no yeah. no one in the in the school district listens or watches this podcast. They don't know anything. I mean, shoosh, shoosh. We just got done talking about not tattling. Yeah, oh, not tattling. That's why yeah. I didn't say what. That's why I didn't <laughs> no, say I'm what. Saying, what I'm saying if you work for the school district, don't tattle on Kimmy. That's right. They, they don't know. They call me Kim. They think my name is Kim. That's how little they know about my life. Um, but that's also how I know where people know me from. It's like if they call me Kim, I'm like, oh, you know me from work. I'm going to be very formal. Oh, if, they, if they call me Kimmy, they know me from fair or gaming. And then if they call me Kimberly, then they're just from HR and I don't talk to them. Okay. Or your mom. <laughs> or my uh, Only when she's mad. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to sell you something. Yeah, 100%. All right. Uh, and tonight, we will also leave you with a song. Tonight, we're going to leave you with Pass the Hat, um, which is a old Ren Fair kind of like traditional song. And it's by Netbusker's Folkshop podcast, which is Stu's new project. And you can find that at netbusker.net. And thank you so much. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Goodly folk, come gather around. Hear the songs we sing. Drink an ale and we'll pass the hat. When we are drunk, joy to all we bring. The noble host of this place allowed us here to sing. So if our song do please your ear, then make the barking bell ring. Goodly folk, come gather around. Hear the songs we sing Drink an ale and we'll pass the hat When we are drunk, joy to all we bring Our words may slur, but do be sure We need our tankers filled For in this song our chords must be strong So never a drop be spilled Goodly folk, come gather around Hear the songs we sing Drink an ale and we'll pass the hat When we are drunk, joy to all we bring Goodly folk, come gather around Hear the songs we sing Drink an ale and we'll pass the hat when we are drunk, joy to all we bring. And if our song offends your ear, we pray thee do have an ale. For we sound much better when your throat is wetter, and let our music prevail. Goodly folk, come gather around, hear the songs we sing. Drink an ale and we'll pass the hat. When we are drunk, joy to all we bring. Goodly folk, come gather around, hear the songs we sing. Drink an ale and we'll pass the hat when we are drunk. Joy to all we bring. This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sue's performed our intro music and our ending song is played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts. <laughs>